0: Before this episode starts, we wanted to let you know that the ACO Show now has a mailbag. Send us your questions, your comments, your compliments, or any episode ideas you have to ACOshow at Alliday.com. We've always gotten some of our best show ideas from our listeners, so we'd love to hear yours. Again, that's ACOshow at Alliday.com. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us, and we can't wait to hear from you. All right, enjoy the episode.
1: Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Brian Chiklinski, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Josh Israel. How are you doing, Josh? Hey, Brian, I'm doing
0: okay. Good to be back after the summer. How's your summer been?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, I have a toddler, so my main goal is just surviving every week uh, with a two-year-old. But we actually, I was recently volunteer counselor at a camp, so I was sleeping in a bunk with a dozen 12-year-old boys, and I am still exhausted. I think I'll be exhausted until next year when I go again. Did you have to break up a lot of wedgies? Is that? Is that the <laughs> I whole heard so many fart jokes, Josh, that it would fill an ACO show episode.
0: All right, let's let's book that one.
1: <laughs> but if, how about you? I heard you had some trips as well, and and also a couple of kids of your own to to wrangle.
0: Yeah, some good vacations. Uh, summer ended, taking one son back to college, the other one on some summer tours, and now we're all ready for the year, and uh, we're ready for the next season of the ACO show. What do we have today?
1: Yeah, so as usual, we are kicking off season five of the ACO show with the results of the Medicare shared savings program. This is usually how we start a lot of our seasons because the results happen to come out at the end of the summer. So it's a perfect time to really sit down and take stock of what is now the largest value based care program in the country. And as our special guest, Allidade Senior Vice President for Policy and Economics, Travis Broom, as he will tell us, it is the most successful value based program in American history, and it's still chugging along. Yeah, isn't
0: it nice that we start the season with these results and the results are, are once again
1: good? Yeah, it's great. It's good to talk about financial results, but also the results in terms of what that means for patient health and for just the providing of good proactive community primary care around the country.
0: Yeah, just a good reminder that when ACOs succeed financially, it's because patients have been healthier and we have supported independent primary care. So let's, let's hear what Travis has to say about it. We are joined now by Travis Broom, Allidade's Senior Vice President of Policy and Economics. Travis, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, starting the year out with, with you, with the results of the ACO program. Glad to have you back.
2: Thanks. Welcome to be back. You know, we've done doing it pre-COVID, so that's probably about as long as it gets right these days. So let's start with, with why we're here today.
0: Not just the start of the ACO show's season, but the results of the
2: Medicare Shared Savings program are in. How did it go? Medicare Shared Savings Program had another banner year. Saved the taxpayer 1.8 billion dollars against its benchmark. Saved a total much more than that, nearly a little over 4 billion dollars with the you know, kind of difference there going to ACOs to as the return on all the investments they've been making in population health and primary care to get those results. As you pointed out, we've been doing this a long time, right? There's Yeah, MSSP is the longest running and certainly most successful value program ever. Because it's so big, 10 million people in MSSP, we kind of tend to equate it with value a little bit. But it's always good to remember that you know MSSP is a singular program, the biggest and the best, but it's a singular program amongst our value portfolio. And it really is kind of a little bit on autopilot now. They probably only cost $50, $60 million a year for the government to run. So, you know, if you $50, $60 million getting $1.8 billion back, that's a pretty good deal for the taxpayer.
1: Yeah, that is a, a solid return on investment. So let's look at how do you put this in historical context to MSSP? It's been running for, for years and years now. How does it compare to past year performance?
2: Yeah. So MSSP has been running for a little over a decade now, 10 and a half years. 2022 marked the the 10 and the 10th year, plus a little start in the beginning. And I think as pretty much tracks with what we've seen since COVID, right? So the program proved incredibly resilient. Some research from Allidate and others out there about you know getting through during COVID really created a lot of opportunities to really keep in touch by any means necessary with the patients. And it's been about 10 million lives for, for the last three years. And the savings rate has been, Pretty constant. It's creeping up as you know. These population health tends to creep, right? A little bit, but so we've been saving well over a billion across the billion easily each in the last three years, and so really, when we look to the future, a lot of it is we want to turbocharge both things. How do we, you know, keep that savings rate maybe not creeping up but moving up, and then the most important thing is to change the ten million. There's about 27 million beneficiaries who could be in MSSP and only about 10 million are.
0: You make a great point, Travis, about the MSSP program being a singular, specific program. Brian and I have had guests on this show who are skeptical about value based care. But as you point out, value based care is not all one thing. This is a particular program and it's been particularly successful. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Why do you think
2: this one works? I think this one works because it, created an outcome that people understood and created an outcome that had an opportunity that was big enough. So when it comes to the understood part, right, it's basically just to tell us to our physicians all the time. Like, what are we really asking as a primary care physician joining your ACO? We're asking you to say, these are my patients. I'm responsible for the total cost of care and quality. And a lot of primary care physicians have have always felt that way, but felt powerless to actually do anything about it. And I think what MSSP and the ACO concept in general, of which MSSP, like I said, is the biggest and longest version said is like, well, we're going to empower you. We're going to give you all the information you have about your patients. Never had that. So you're you're going to have everything we know you know. And then we're going to create this opportunity around total cost of care. Where small differences can 1%, half a percent, 25 basis points can create real financial returns that justify upfront investments in doing things earlier. When you think about fee for service, heck, when you think about the old patient-centered medical home model where, you know, we'll give you $15 PM PM. That was all you could ever get was the $15 PM on the fee for service. All you could ever get was your 87 52. Didn't matter how well you did it. So those were always somewhat understandably said it, like kind of cost plus returns where you basically be like, all right, the best I can hope for is to cover my costs in a little bit. What the ACO brought was not only all the data, it brought all the data. It brought the alignment with the way they thought. And also brought this for the first time, frankly, in healthcare, at least for primary care. If you do better, you do better. And I think that's one of the main reasons it's worked, where a lot of the models that give physicians PMPMs or say they do all the same things don't work, whereas ACOs does. ACOs provides a real opportunity to do better by doing better and doesn't tell you how to kind of gets out of your way. So one ACO can generate its 5% savings in a completely different way than another ACO that can generate its 5% savings.
1: Yeah, I think that really speaks to Allidade specifically. Now, it brings us back to the way that, that we have approached value-based care with practices is that sometimes these trusted practices in their communities know the best way to take care of their communities. And so programs that help empower them with that and kind of give them the tools to succeed in the way that they know how to take care of their patients will do better. And that seems to be, at least in, in terms of the MSSP, really paying off. So focusing on Allidade, we know how the MSSP did. How did Alidaid and our practices do last year in the MSSP? Yeah, so
2: we were very happy to have, I think, three out of the top four top performing ACOs out of the whole program. Unfortunately, we we didn't get the number one spot this year, but then we got the next three spots. And if you look at those three ACOs, you're going to notice two things about them. One, they've been added a while. Right. Again, population health. We're talking about building lasting primary care relationships with patients, impactful ones, better ones over time. So they've been added, a lot. and number two, they, like you said, have those kind of local primary care, whether it's community health centers or independent primary care practices. They built from a base of having good patient relationships to start with, then. They took on this mission, in most cases, back in 2016 or 2017, talking about these high performers and to say, oh, yeah, we can do better for those. We have great relationships. And also, there's lots of people going through our door who we don't have a relationship with yet. right? And then we've given them tools and data and everything to build more and build, build better. And those have really paid off on the long term, I think. Once you move out of those kind of high performers, you'll, you'll see a common trajectory, right? Of just like, you know, as they get younger, <laughs> as it were, been doing it longer, they moved down and down. I think one of the most exciting things, and this is true is the program as a whole, the trends the same way is savings are coming earlier. By no means are first year savings guaranteed. You know, I, I think that was, there was some time in COVID where maybe it seemed like that was going to change. By no means our first year savings guaranteed. But we used to look at three or four year timelines. Now it's like, oh, well, if it didn't happen in year one, you know, and you're doing the right things then year two. And, and I think that's really exciting, shortening of the kind of time to savings. Um, again, it's population health, it's primary care. It takes time. We're never going to get it down to zero. Never be able to guarantee first year success. So those are really the the two most exciting things I see in AlliDate's results. One, the best just keep getting better. And two, the kind of time to savings at the beginning, kind of that launch timeframe is shortening as well.
0: I know we were particularly proud and satisfied to see that some of our community health centers were some of the, the top performers. Any sense how it works for those populations? Those are health centers that serve the underserved population people with uh, social determinants of health challenges. How does this model succeed for those clinics?
2: Yeah, so for those clinics, our community health centers, you know, FQACs and RACs, they, as you said, they're oriented today to be able to serve a different population. They all, without exception, beat Medicare's expectations on what we call duly eligible beneficiaries. So that's those patients with both Medicare and Medicaid So those patients, they are almost built to serve and they do it really well. And always, always, always beat Medicare's expectations on those patients. And again, so back to the best, they're they're good at that and they get better. And then we come in and be like, well, it's just like, you know, we're talking about our independent practice and all the patients they've known since they were kids and can tell you their whole life story. Like, yeah, you're good with really good with them. We're gonna get better. And, but then there's all these other people too. So I think the CAC is like, you are really good with doles. You're going to get better, but you're really good with doles. But there's all these other people too, who are coming into your clinic as well. So I think that's where you see a lot of the big improvements as well. Once they join an ACO is being able to catch, you know, patients who maybe not be the traditional patients for them, which are not the traditional patients for others, right? As well, and, and serve them and build relationships with them. Um, just as well and as they can with anyone else. So a different base, but the same movement is I guess maybe the short version there.
1: So Travis, I love you and your team and the policy team at Allied and how quickly you guys are able to jump on these massive data dumps from government agencies and really distill the data and insights out of it rapidly. So I'm gonna pull uh, some of my favorite numbers that your team has pulled together for us on these MSSP results. Obviously the headline number that All practices save the taxpayers more than half a billion dollars in 2022 alone through better care, through more proactive preventive primary care. That, that's a big number, it's a big headline, it's huge, but and that's you know more than 200 million dollars that will be going directly to community primary care, uh, which is great just for their performance in MSSP. But I think my particular favorite was this stat that that 98% of our practices will be receiving a shared savings check. Uh, for their work um, in 2022 through SSP. Um, and I think that's really speaks to the broad base of success that these practices are finding in the program. And that's money that's going directly. That's, you know, in some cases for these small practices, it's very large checks that are going to them that they are able to reinvest in care programs. They're able to help recruit and retain staff in a really tight labor market. It's a lot of resources that really filter down to the patient level. So I guess my one question I have for you is is just how do you see the impact of shared savings coming through practices? What's kind of your favorite way to look at at what this program really means to a primary care practice on the ground? Yeah. So one,
2: they're they're all very excited to get those checks because they've been investing and working in them for them. Right. In many cases, they've hired staff on the promise that that check will come someday. That is the downside to an outcome based model. The upside is you do better by Doing better. The downside is you can make all your investments up front, so so a lot of those checks coming in are are basically paying debts, um, figuratively and literally that the work has generated over time. So it's you know both excitement and relief I think for our practices when they come through and get those checks, and but then again you do better by getting better, time over time. We have some of those ACOS have grown to the point where that their value-based checks are 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and in a few cases, equal to the fee-for-service income. They're literally 50-50 when it comes to value and fee-for-service now. And I think that is one of the most exciting things to see. We've talked about, as a country, doubling. Investment in primary care. You spend four or five years in MSSP and it becomes a reality. Literally doubled the investment in primary care and population health um, for those beneficiaries. You know, it's a great stat, the 98%. I love that. You know, I kind of gave the caution a little bit earlier of like, you know, first year is still not guaranteed. So I think one of the big things we're looking forward to the future as CMS is considering it. And I mentioned patient-centered medical homes earlier, a couple of dollars, PM, PM, PM. We know that didn't generate a lot of savings in the past. We know, so there's no real reason to think it'll generate a lot of savings in the future. But what about the combination of the two? So there was a program that the Innovation Center ran for a little while called Comprehensive Primary Care Plus. It was exactly like patient-centered medical homes, right? It was like, we'll give you $25 $25 per patient per month if you promise to do X, Y, and Z. It was actually like more like A through K. It was a lot of stuff. And the evaluation found, you know, people weren't really doing all of the things. It was a lot of money. But in the nugget, there said, well, there was this one group though. There was this one group who was in getting their $25 PMPM PM and was in an ACO. That group was trending towards savings even after the investments. And some of those high, high performing ACOs I talked about at the beginning, they have at their core practices who were in comprehensive primary care plus. And that program is long defunct. They've moved to, I guess, relying purely on shared savings now. But the things that were built during that time are still generating savings today. So I think as we look forward to into the future, I'm really hoping that CMS combines those two things again because the combination has always been where the success is, not the individual separation.
0: These results seem like a big deal to me, and I've read about them in some wonky health journals, some listservs that I'm signed up for, but I would think it would make national news When we see companies saying that they've done well in Medicare Advantage, we will often think, well, how did you really do that? You know, did you do it through better risk coding? Did you do it through patient selection? So I wonder, has this not made better news because it's complicated or because anybody's looking at these results with some kind of jaundiced eye?
2: Yeah, I think... A, it is definitely complicated, but lots of other things in healthcare are complicated too, and they make the news as well, right? I think a lot of it comes down to, despite again being farm, you know, 10x the biggest value-based program ever, it's still only 10 million out of nearly 50 million uh, Medicare beneficiaries, we all over 50 million now, and so people see 1.8 billion. Dollars and I think of it in context, oh well, you know, we spend 440 billion dollars on Medicare. What's the big deal? And I think that nuance is misses the point a little bit in the sense that we spend a lot of time and a lot of press talking about things that might work if they scaled. <laughs> right. Here we have something that has scaled and does work, right? When you think about the 10 billion, uh, or 10 million, sorry, 10 million Medicare beneficiaries that are actually in the program, right? We reduce their costs three or 4%. My, my colleague, Sean Kavanaugh, the chief policy officer at Allidate likes, likes to say, like one way to think about it is we, a lot of the data says Medicare Advantage is the most expensive way to deliver medicare benefits the second most expensive way is medicare fee for service the cheapest way to deliver medicare beneficiary way benefits and the best way is medicare shared savings so i think i would like us all to really focus on telling this story of the kind of 10 million beneficiaries loudly and proudly so that 10 million becomes one so that 20 can become 25 and cms has this goal of everyone in by 2030 if they get everybody in mssp or they get it or whatever version it looks like in, in a program that's as successful as mssp of which there haven't been any others so maybe go ride the one you brought right you literally just double that number right if i go to 10, 10 million to 20 million. I'm like, oh, well now I'm saving $4 billion. Now I'm saving more. And we're like, well, yeah, but still 440 billion. Well, actually we send most of that to MA, a lot of that to MA. So now we're down to 200 million. Well shoot, four on 200, that's 5%. Where else are we saving money? And I would note that's just the metric piece. This is having so many more effects across the program that we can't measure. You know, there's the New York Times article that came out recently that said, you know, Medicare projections for the last decade are way under what we thought they would be on spending per benefit share, and we cannot certainly attribute all of that to the Medicare Shared Savings Program or value in general. It is also true that the main thing that has changed in the program over that same time period has been a focus on value and the Medicare Shared Savings Program.
1: So MSSP is one of the most successful and largest value-based care programs. One of our favorite ACO show guests is always Travis Broome. Travis, thank you again for providing your insights on the 2022 Results for the Medicare Shared Savings Program and what that means for the future of value in Medicare. Thanks so much for having me. The ACO Show now has a mailbag. Submit your questions, compliments, or episode ideas to ACOShow at Alladate.com. This show was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, Rebecca Raymond, Stuart Taylor, and of course our wonderful hosts. Check out more of our show wherever you get your podcast. Once again, our mailbag is A-C-O-S-H-O-W at Allidate.com. Thanks for listening.